0: Hello everyone. Thanks for joining today's media briefing with Tony Kahn. Just a few quick items before we get started. Please make sure your phone is unmuted. This allows us to open your line to ask a question. So if you'd like to ask a question, please unmute, unmute your microphones now. Once you have asked your question, we will mute your line to avoid any background noise during the response. To indicate that you would like to ask a question, please click the hand icon on the GoTo dashboard. You can also type a question anytime in the question section on the dashboard. Today's session will last approximately 55 minutes and we will make every attempt to include your question, time permitting. As always, please note that no live streaming or broadcasting of this call is permitted. We will be sharing an audio recording of the session afterwards. I will now turn the call over to our moderator, Jim.
1: Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Um, thanks again for joining us today for this uh, special call with Tony Khan to discuss the upcoming all-out pay-per-view event uh, this Sunday night. So before we get going, just a few quick housekeeping uh, items in the interest of time. And we want to give as many people the opportunity to, to be involved here. So we checked in with Tony earlier today. He's doing very well. So there's no need for everyone to ask. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, we also have kindly refrain that you asked yeah you refrain from asking two-part questions uh and and please if we can keep your questions focused on the upcoming all-out show so kind of you know because that's what that's what's ahead of your for all and and finally as just mentioned please make sure your phone is unmuted we have a huge number of reporters on this particular call so the tighter we can make it the more people we can get involved and i think that's what we all like so uh with that i'm going to turn it over to tony khan for a couple opening thoughts and then we're gonna open the lines after that for questions uh, from you for the next 55 minutes or so. Tony, you there?
2: Yeah, Jim, I am. Thanks for the great introduction. Uh, hello, everybody. And uh, really excited to catch up with everybody ahead of All Out. Um, thanks for coming to this and we could get started whenever you're ready, Jim. Hey,
1: okay, well, that's that's wonderful. So let's get going. I'm gonna I'm gonna call on Chris Mueller. He's gonna kick us off here from Bleacher Report. Uh, so Chris, be ready here. And after Chris, I'm gonna to go to Brandon Thurston from Russell Wrestle, Russellomics. So Chris. You're leading us off.
2: Hey Doc. All right. Thanks. Hey Tony. Thanks for taking the time. So uh, we just saw quite a bit get added to the card here over the last week or two. And I was just kind of wondering if you could expand on why you maybe waited as long as you did to make some of those announcements so close to the event. Sure. Uh, a lot of it was due to people coming back from injury and not being able to control that. So CM Punk, we didn't feel good about CM Punk coming out and doing anything physical until he and his doctors were ready for that. And August 10th, quake by the lake, he came back like a bat out of hell. And now there's questions going into Punk Mox too. Did CM Punk come back too soon? Uh, but he definitely came back and got in the ring as quickly as he physically possibly could have. And uh, it has put us in a really interesting situation leading into the pay per view and, and given us a lot to talk about going into this match. So I think that's a very exciting situation. I was really excited about the Brian Danielson American Dragon versus Lionheart Chris Jericho match. It was not really possible to get it going the way I wanted to until around July twenty-seventh. I was uh I think it was the July twenty-seventh, uh was the Wednesday, I believe, and we were in Massachusetts for the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and uh I had gotten the, the clearance that Danielson would be coming back finally at the end of July. He had been gone for about two months and I made a lot of fundamental changes to the middle parts of this story, but we were able to do a lot of great things to to make everything work out really positively. We still, we had a great anarchy in the arena match. It's one of the best matches in AEW history It is considered a five-star match by a lot of people. And it's one of my favorite things we've ever done, but the fallout and the really negative part of the match was an injury to Brian Danielson that put him out of action for about two months. And in that time you're losing one of the greatest wrestling stars in the history of the sport. And that's coming at a time when the world champion CM Punk, another one of the biggest stars in wrestling, was out. So uh, I worked. I brought in Claudio Castagnoli to help with the Blackpool Combat Club. And also, uh, it was great timing. Uh, You know, I had really planned for Claudio to to potentially be coming in around the Ring of Honor pay-per-view anyway. But he came in a bit earlier, worked the Forbidden Door, and uh, and then worked the blood and guts match and by filling in for Brian in the Forbidden Door against Zack Saber and in the blood and guts match against Jericho Appreciation Society it got Claudio into AEW uh, in an exciting way really differently and sooner than I had originally planned and with Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia I picked things up following Death Before Dishonor with Danielson's comeback match versus Garcia. And of course, Garcia getting a a, a shocking upset win that led to a rematch with Garcia, which was um, which was something I built, which was something I built up for the promotion of the HBO House of the Dragon event. And I really wanted to make sure for our awesome media partner, Warner Brothers Discovery, when they asked me to come up with something good to promote House of the Dragon, I felt like I had something really strong with the Danielson versus Garcia two out of three falls match with Ricky the dragon steamboat at ringside and all of this to further the storylines of what's happening between Danielson and Garcia, what's happening between Jericho and Garcia and two of the all time great wrestlers going one-on-one now Danielson versus Jericho and things came full circle this summer. I think Jericho being in the best condition he's been in, you know, Jericho and Mox have really stepped up for the company in a major way when so many of the top stars were down and it was very fitting that they had That world title match, again, a lot of people thought that was a five-star match, and it's another one of my favorite TV matches, and Moxley versus Jericho got us going in a big way at the Quake by the Lake, and then, of course, CM Punk came back after that, and then we saw the Lionheart. I think Chris looks as good as ever. I really do, and certainly as good as he's ever been in AEW, and he's turned back the clock in many ways, and... It's amazing to see a side-by-side of Lionheart 26 years apart. I, you know, certainly would have been great to get some of these matches maybe out a little sooner, but I think we got, we hit the beats of the stories perfectly given the availability of the biggest stars. So that's two of the matches on the card. Um, And, you know, there's a domino effect with a lot of those things, a lot of reasons why things were announced when they were announced. But um, certainly for the trios tournament, for example, We still don't know because of the the nature of the tournament. and Some of that was based on the availability of bracketing. Also, Kenny Omega was returning from injury about as quickly as he possibly could have. And I had to work around the availability of Will Ospreay. So uh, those are just some of the factors in it, Doc. But um, very complicated and forbidden door and all out both were affected by the injury bug. But honestly, I felt like I had a little bit more time to tie things together for All Out and and get us in a really good place because ahead of Forbidden Door, there were only four weeks between Double or Nothing and Forbidden Door, and two of the biggest stars on the Forbidden Door card, Punk and Danielson, were out. So it was really working to save that show, and then I had a bit more time to put this stuff together where, you know, at least coming out of Death Before Dishonor at the end of July – um, I had a pretty good idea when people would be back and then really I thought the month of August was really strong. And July twenty seventh were well, really strong for AEW where I feel like the last five shows of Dynamite have been really excellent. And I, I don't think it's just my opinion. You know, you can go to Cage Match and hundreds of fans just put their ratings on the matches like IMDB for movies, and this is the one of the strongest five week runs in the history of the show. And uh I think it's in large part due to having some of the great stars back from injury. Thanks, Doc.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tony. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is next, and Brandon will be followed by Amy Nemedy from Joy Brandon? Hi, Tony. Thanks for the time again. uh am great, Brandon. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, w- I would like to ask you about the uh, Rampage rates, if I could. The, the monthly averages for Rampage have been Gradually, a little bit lower sequentially uh, in most months. Last year at this time, Rampage, of course, is doing very strong ratings. But even if you look back on January, January averaged a 0.23 rating in 1849. August just finished averaging a little over half that, of 0. 0.14. Uh, and over time, we've seen fewer appearances on Rampage from people like Punk and Jericho and Moxley. Maybe that has something to do with it. But I'm wondering, what do you think the reason is for that trend in viewership for Rampage and Are you comfortable with the ratings for that show being what they are lately?
2: I'm so glad you asked because you really set me up for something I'm really excited to talk about. Thank you very much, Brandon. Uh, I have seen that. So in anticipation of a lot of the top stars in AEW returning, this is the effect of a lot of the top stars out. It was, in my opinion, we we kept the company really strong through the summer because the flagship show of AEW Dynamite has continued to have really strong ratings so going into last night we had 13 straight wednesdays i I don't know last night's numbers yet honestly but um going into last night we had 13 straight wednesdays where we've been one of the top two shows on cable and i'm pretty sure the majority of the 13 like brandon you would know whether it's nine or ten out of the 13 weeks we've been number one show on cable on wednesdays and it has been honestly now I can admit it due to all the people coming back and the fact that it's just not going to be the case this Friday and and going forward because the stars are back that you astutely kind of hinted at in your question Brandon a lot of the biggest stars in AEW have been out and the stars I have had I've really had to put them on dynamite every single week and almost every week week in week out you could count on seeing you know Moxley and Jericho and the people who were in AEW on a weekly basis. Now we've had Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, uh and and several others in addition to CM Punk and Brian Danielson who I mentioned earlier that have been out with injuries. These are all people that have had some of the highest rated and most important matches in the history of Rampage. I mean when you John Moxley uh is one of the biggest rating movers ever on that show and the biggest rating we saw this year was his match with Wheeler Yuta, but now if you look all summer uh, for the most, almost every week with a couple of exceptions, uh, John Moxley has been on rampage a few times, but almost every week on dynamite, pretty much every single week on dynamite through that summer. And, uh, then again, Jericho has has done appearance on commentary, but, but hasn't been able to wrestle on the show in a long time. Adam Cole was a fixture on the show. Wrestling jungle boy, uh, has been his program with Christian has been pretty focused on, on dynamite. And that hasn't been as much due to injury as uh, a story focused, but I didn't want to take the focus off it just by throwing jungle boy in matches. And then uh, there have been, because he's really more focused on a person than he is on his career at this point. And uh, so honestly, I'm really excited, man, because I, I want to reset and I am very cognizant for some of the fans that, you know, some of the, we, what I did with rampage in the summer was try to make, the best of a situation where I wanted to load the star, excuse me, load the show up with stars. As we had in the beginning where the first episode of rampage, you had matches like Kenny Omega versus Christian. And in the first year matches like Brian, Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston and CM Punk versus powerhouse Hobbs. We have not been able to offer those kind of matches because when those guys have been healthy, I've had to put that kind of stuff on dynamite, just to be honest. And now we're at a point where when the whole roster is back by this week, I think this Friday on the live Rampage, hopefully it will be a, a, a preview of what's in store after All Out. Because I think after All Out, the roster is going to be in, as strong as a place as it's been in a long time. it probably the strongest it's ever been. And I really believe then week in, week out, we'll have the roster the way I always wanted it to be. The way I think we got at least uh, we had a bit of time, I really felt like in late 2020 in late this you know back half of 2021 when Rampage was first introduced the roster was just in this amazing place I talked about it a little bit today in an article that's on Yahoo you know it's kind of amazing where you had the first three AEW world champions uh, were Jericho, Moxley, and Omega and then we had these three great free agents come in around this time last year with Punk, Danielson, and Cole and then within about a month all of Jericho, Moxley, and Omega had to leave for different health reasons, and they were all out and gone. It was unthinkable. And all of a sudden, every week, I would say quietly backstage, like, oh, my God, thank God I brought these three guys in. Because if we hadn't brought in Punk, Danielson, and Cole, I mean, the three programs that really got us through the end of the year and carried across the TV were – uh, Punk versus MJF Danielson versus Hangman Page and Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole and variations on the I mean really week in week out those drew and um, it you know it was so great to have those three guys in then Moxley and Jericho come back better than ever and we lost all three of, of Punk uh, Danielson and Cole and now Uh, you know, it's coming back together in the roster. I really feel like Brandon uh, will be helped and rampage. I just want everyone to know now that the roster is back, I can put my full attention into this. I know I said it in April, by the way, and a lot of things happened after April with the injury bug. (laughs) I made these statements in April and I really felt like it was moving in a great direction. The highest, I believe it's the highest rated rampage of the year was actually right after I I kind of addressed some of this stuff. We did Moxley versus Utah, The show was on fire. And then, of course, we had these injuries to Danielson, Punk, and Cole right as we were really getting rolling with Jericho and Moxley coming back and not missing a beat. So that that is what I believe, Brandon. I think with the, the star power coming back, you know, this week and, and in the coming weeks, you'll see uh, a lot of stars returning to Rampage, the kind of big matches we did at the very beginning when, when we had a fully healthy roster to support the three hours of TV or even really, honestly, you saw – At Grand Slam, frankly, we could easily support four hours of TV with that roster and not miss a beat. And uh, we showed that last year at Grand Slam. But, you know, we had lost so many guys. (laughs) I could do three hours of TV, but not three hours with star, 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 star. I mean, you saw at Grand Slam, four hours of star, 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 star. So um, that's how I feel. and, And certainly it'll be helped because through the month of October and November and, of course, this Friday, this Friday, uh, the first one in September, going into Labor Day weekend and all out, will be live. And we have more live rampages through the rest of this year than we have all year combined so far. So uh, I'm I'm excited for that. Thanks for the question because it's something I really wanted to cover. Thank you, Brandon.
1: Thanks, Brandon. Amy Nemedy from Wrestle Joy is next. I'm going to follow with the write-in after Amy uh, from Kenny McIntosh at Inside the Ropes. Amy, you're up.
3: Hi, Tony. Last year's All Out was one of the best shows in AEW history. And it looks like this year's All Out is going to stack up very similarly from zero hour to the pre and the pre-show all the way to the main event of All Out proper. This card is super stacked. But one of the matches that or I guess, two of them that I have my eye on are the women's matches. We have two epic women's matches on the All Out card. We have Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, Britt Baker, and Hikaru Shida fighting for the Interim Women's Championship, and Jade Cargill and Athena fighting for the TBS Championship. Both of these matches have a lot of history between the opponents and a lot of rich storytelling within the women's division. What was it like putting these matches together, and do you have any expectations that there might be some surprise match stealers within these women's matches?
2: Ah, uh, well, it's a great question. I'm very excited for both matches, Uh, really excited to have Athena in AEW, she's been tremendous. It's great to have someone of her experience, and I think uh, it's going to be a great matchup of Styles with Athena versus Jade. Um, It is certainly uh, with Jade's size, in some ways you'd consider Athena the underdog, but with Athena's experience, uh, I think that gives her a big advantage. So we'll hear these two women and what, what they have to say tomorrow night on Rampage. They're going to sit down with Mark Henry and get a get a preview of the fight. And we'll have a, a little bit more of an idea what to expect from Jade Cargill versus Athena for the TBS title. So I'm really excited for that and excited to hear what they have to say with Mark on Rampage tomorrow night. And as for the four-way, I really enjoyed uh, the tag team match between the four participants in that interim world championship match. Uh, it was really a light bulb thing, just like uh, I felt really strong about setting up uh, an eliminator and going into Forbidden Door with a great main event of Moxley versus Tanahashi, even though it was not what we had originally planned. Uh, I think it's worked out great, and obviously, John now is a great world champion for AEW, and we have a great rematch coming up with John Moxley versus CM Punk. Well, the interim title situation here when Thunder Rosa made it clear she was injured, uh, I, you know, felt the same way I did when CM Punk got hurt. You know, we have a great champion who's injured. We need to um, protect the champion and protect the championship and make sure the fans are getting great championship matches and and keep the title situation hot. So I thought the right thing to do, and what we did was have Thunder Rosa take some time, have her injuries heal, and crown an interim women's world champion. I think it's going to be a great match, and it took me – not long to come up with who I thought the four best wrestlers for this match would be because I think that it's just so clear. You have, um, former world champion, Hikaru Shida. She picked up the big win in the match last night. She's excellent. Her partner, the number one contender, Tony Storm. I felt like she had an amazing match with Thunder Rosa. They formed a great partnership and I thought Tony uh, was a very worthy top contender and still is. And I think, uh, you know, they were excellent in the tag match last night, too, so it's interesting. And also really good uh, to have former world champion Dr. Brett Baker uh, here in the mix here. She's got a lot of history with both Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm, and it'll uh, be very interesting to see how things develop with Jamie Hayter. Uh, it's going to be every woman for herself and all of them fighting for the interim world championship, so that'll be something to keep an eye on, of course, with the close friendship and and relationship between Dr. Brett Baker and Jamie Hayter, both in that match fighting for the title. So I'm really excited for it. I think uh, that's four of the best wrestlers in the company. So I think that's going to be an awesome match. And I don't think anybody has any idea what to expect, which is really good and uh, should be an awesome, awesome match. And so I'm excited for both of those title matches. Thank you for asking.
1: Thank you Amy. Um, after I read Kenny McIntosh's uh, write-in question, we're going to go to Jay Shell Nicole from Inclusive Creations. So Tony, what Kenny's got here is uh, he's talking a little bit about <clears throat> Punk and Moxley um, uh, going at each other, having a match on television to help build for the pay-per-view. Did you see that as a risky strategy or did you feel like that was the way to go? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry can you uh can you can you can you one more time
2: can you tell me with one more time read that sorry
1: sure sure you know he's kind of curious as to, you know the idea of doing a different kind of a build up uh with Punk and Moxley by doing a match on television leading into sure. a match between those two on a pay-per-view you know is that a, a sort of a taking a chance by doing that or Yeah definitely, sure got it Got it. Well, thanks. Thanks for
2: the question. And I appreciate it. I've certainly now I understand. And I think it's a question that's come up a lot and I just want to double check and make sure I got uh, the gist of it, which I think I do. Uh, It's a great question. A lot of people are asking it. And I do think it's been a big benefit and it's different than what we've typically done. And it's funny because it's, uh, it's from one extreme to the other because I've done go home shows where all the hay is in the barn and sometimes it can be a challenge and you're really just, you have everything teed up, and you're really just kind of uh, taking practice swings, almost at a ball that's already on the tee. Uh, In this case, uh, I knew it was going to be a fast and furious buildup, but I think the anticipation has been even stronger. I wouldn't say we should do it like this every time, but this is, I believe, the 15th pay-per-view for AEW, and we've never done anything like this, and I think it made the build very exciting it's raised a lot of questions going into the match there's a lot of speculation about uh what the future holds for both men what the future holds for the championship and what's going to happen in john moxley versus cm punk part two based on what happened in that match on tv it also was undeniably a great ratings draw for us we uh had a tremendous audience last week, and I think most of the people or a large percentage of the people on the call at least hopefully would have seen the press release that Warner Brothers Discovery put out in support of the tremendous ratings we pulled last week, which was you know again we were the number one show on cable and uh had a big lift week over week and the biggest thing uh of all that you know I thought was really really cool was I thought we'd Built even more interest, and intrigue in the pay-per-view while doing the biggest total audience the show has done since February. So uh, I was really pleased with it. Now I know it was it, it, what it created was a week of people loudly wondering what the heck is going on here. This this is crazy. And I think there's in this case that was good. So no, I'm I, I now that we're close to the pay-per-view and we had that amazing show last night. And I feel like a lot of people were wondering what the heck's going on here. And, uh, the promos that John and Punk did, I think reeled a lot of people back in. And in particular hearing what CM Punk had to say in Chicago, I think people are up to see this great title fight on Sunday. So thanks, Jim. I appreciate, uh, you, you giving me that question. And, uh, you know, I really do feel very good about where we're at with it now that we've, uh, had some great TV, and I think there's a lot of excitement going into Sunday's pay-per-view.
1: No question about that. Thank you, Kenny for, for asking that uh, of Tony. Uh, Jay Shell Nicole from Inclusive Creations is up next. Jay Shell will be followed by Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald. Jay Shell.
0: Hi, Tony. I hope all is well. Um, I'm so excited for this show, especially with all of the amazing representation of people of color, specifically black people on this card. Can you speak a little bit about how intentional this was, if at all?
2: Uh, Well, I've been trying to push the best wrestlers and build the strongest roster and something that I really wanted to do um, for many years was build uh, the best roster of diverse stars in wrestling. And it was something that I'm not sure. Uh, I dreamed the level of free agent stars that would come in that, that helped make it possible on one side. The other side was homegrown stars. And you'll see this card has a, a a really good mix of those. There are a lot of the homegrown stars that years ago we were developing in AEW and people would complain that, Hey, AEW, uh, or are you going to get uh, um, a a lot of top diverse stars? And what I, my, my answer a lot, you know, two years ago about a lot of this stuff is please trust me. i want to uh, build stars in AW and also sign the best free agents. And a lot of the best free agents just hadn't become available yet. And if they, as soon as they did, I was ready to jump on those contracts. So internally, uh, and I would have named these people, you know, even a couple of years ago or, or last year for sure, um, that were building up stars. You know, we have, uh, of course, Dante Martin wrestling in the ladder match, one of our really young wrestlers. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks is a match that has been building really for almost two years. And uh, the two have really been connected even, even longer than that. But um, they were both in the Casino Battle Royale at All Out 2020. Uh, shortly after Will Hobbs joined Team Taz, and they went on a great run as a unit, uh, both as singles and as partners. Uh, they're two of the real homegrown stars of AEW, and that's a great example of people that you know a long time ago I saw that could that I really believe could be stars, and uh, that we've been building up as homegrown stars. Then you have the World Tag Team Championship match with again a great homegrown AEW act, the Acclaimed. Uh, who were two individuals who I thought had a lot of potential as singles wrestlers and had really brought into a meeting, and they didn't know why they were in a meeting with me together. And uh, I asked them about becoming a tag team, The Acclaimed, and I'd seen Max doing these awesome raps on Twitter about pro wrestling, mostly pro wrestling and pop culture, and I thought they were incredible. And I, I asked him, do you think you could do those every week as your entrance for The Acclaimed? And we we started experimenting with it in Daly's Place almost two years ago. And it's become one of my favorite acts, one of my favorite things in pro wrestling. They're two of my favorite people. And I'm so happy the Acclaimed have earned this opportunity on pay-per-view. Their opponents are two amazing wrestlers who I never would have dreamed a year ago could be in AEW so soon. Uh, They were released from their contracts. And I think any wrestling company in the world is very fortunate to have two stars like Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, the world tag team champions. And uh, that's a great example of the homegrown stars of AEW fighting these big free agents. I never would have dreamed would become available. So it's been a mix of the two things I really believe where we were working for years to build up a, a diverse roster of stars. And then also big free agents came out there. And it, so it was a perfect mix. Uh, and it's led to this pay-per-view, which has... The best representation of any pay per view we've ever done, and I understand it's some of the best representation ever on any wrestling pay per view. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And also another great example of the homegrown star versus the big free agent: Jade Cargill versus Athena for the TDS title. Just like I was talking about with the World Tag Team Championship, it's another great tag team championship match where you have the homegrown star of AEW. This time, the homegrown star is the champion, not the challenger, and taking on. Uh, a big free agent who's been on international TV and, and is known uh, to many people even outside of AEW and comes in with a great reputation. So I think these matches across the card, uh, I'm really excited about also Jay Lethal uh, is in that match and you have six of the best wrestlers in the world. I think Wardlow is constantly growing and improving and a great way for Wardlow uh, to keep getting better as a great TNT champion for us is putting him in there with the very best. And Wardlow is going to be surrounded with five of the greatest veteran pro wrestlers on the planet with Dax, Cash, FTR, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, the New Japan, IWGP, World, World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, and the AAA, A Tag Team Champions. Uh, and, you know, of course, Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns, who we're really excited to have in AEW. So uh, all those matches... Uh, and all those wrestlers really excited about that. And Jay Lethal, a great veteran, and uh, another great example of somebody that I, you know, a couple of years ago I wouldn't have expected to be in AEW, but but another great veteran presence with a great reputation as a wrestler. And so uh, all of that coming together, I think has has made this card much stronger and and gotten me very excited for it. And so I think with a great mix uh, to your question of you know, something we've worked for years to to build stars in AEW and also to sign the best free agents and, and this card is a great uh mix of those
1: plans. Thank you, Jay Shell. Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald, you are up next. Jim will be followed by Justin Schlegel from ninety eight Rock in Baltimore. James.
2: Hey, thank you, Tony, Jim, and everybody. I was curious, because talking a lot about the injuries and when you're putting now the storylines together, and maybe you have in the past, I don't know, but do you have a plan B now moving forward when you're putting these together, or no, you just go with it and then just see what happens? Uh, I think in the back of your mind, you know, similar in sports where you have roster depth, in a way, when you build that roster depth, that is your backup plan. But it's not always that simple. A great, you know, Forbidden Door was more of uh very quick, I need to take this plug out and switch it with this one and move, you know, rewiring things. Um, whereas building to All Out, I was still able to get to the big matches I really wanted that I thought would be the amazing headline matches for this show we had to find a different way to get there. So with Punk and Mox, we found, I think, a really exciting way that got a ton of buzz that these are two of the greatest talkers in wrestling and they still talk their talk. You know, week one and week three, I guess we, if you want to call uh, week zero, the Quake by the Lake with the, the surprise Punk return, then for the following three weeks, I mean, week three and week one, they did some great talking. Week two, the action happened in the ring. I do think with the time we had, this was the most exciting way we could have presented it. And I do think people would have been really amped for the match had they just talked for three weeks instead of doing the match in the middle. But now there's way more buzz about the match. Uh, and nobody knows what's going to happen coming out of that. And I think that's awesome. And also it really helped the TV and the pay-per-view. So it was a unique way to approach it. But, uh, I was able to still hit, on stuff for this pay-per-view that I wanted to get to. I mean, it's hard to beat John Moxley versus CM Punk for the AEW world championship and American dragon, Brian Danielson versus Lionheart, Chris Jericho. So we got to where I wanted to get for this pay-per-view for forbidden door. We really had, we just weren't going to be able to do the matches because punk and Danielson weren't going to be on the show. It wasn't like I was going to be able to rush to get to their matches. I had to completely change the build. And so that was a little bit of a different situation where it's not like, Hey, um, we'll switch plans, consolidate some things, do some uh, different ways to jumpstart things in the middle. That was more like, instead of tearing the card up, like I did at Forbidden Door and built the best card I could with what was available. And if you only knew some of the stories that people don't know leading up to it, I mean, it's it's, it's a wild one. That The way Forbidden Door came off, I'll, I'm really proud of everyone involved. It was one of the best days we've had. And, uh, you know, this, we we were able to do, the things I wanted to do, we just had to do them differently. Whereas for Forbidden Door, I basically rewired the whole card and said, "Okay, well, you know, because I, I think I've admitted this before, but there were some big matches we didn't get to do. Um, you know, it was going to be Punk and FTR against Osprey and Aussie Open, and that's a dream match, I really believe. And um, and I and then I also had a great idea for a Punk and Tanahashi tag match going in. I almost don't want to say what it is in case I ever do it later. And uh, that would have been, I think, one of the most anticipated matches of the year if you knew who they were going to wrestle. And uh, it all worked out really well and was a great pay-per-view, but it just was kind of a flash decision that Moxley versus Tanahashi was something we had been saving. So it was good to have a backup plan like that. Uh, even though I wasn't conscious I'd be using it on the show and then moving Mox and Tanahashi stuff into what was already happening with Moxley and Jericho and everything around uh, the blood and guts that we were building to around the same time as forbidden door. So anyway, uh, you do try to have depth and that can lead you to backup plans and then it's a question. Do you change your plans entirely or do you just find a different way to get from point A to point C by get, taking a different route through point B? Thanks for asking. By the way, it's it's a, it's a good question about how things get done. Thank you,
1: Jim. <clears throat> All right, as promised, I've got a question here, Tony, with, uh, I'm sorry. Justin Schlegel will be next from 98 Rock Baltimore. And then we have a a write-in from Joey Williamson from Hollywood's World of Sports. So Justin, you're up. Tony, another great all-out card looks like it's upon us. And the Forbidden Door philosophy is all over this with Motor City machine guns coming in from Impact, a legendary team, Tomohiro Ishii being added to the pre-show with Eddie Kingston from New Japan. It looks to be another incredible card, and with some of the recent corporate changes over on the other channel other night with WWE, do you possibly think it's more likely, less likely, or the same for a forbidden door situation with them down the line, now that it seems like their executive hierarchy is a lot different than it's been, well, since forever? Do you possibly envision maybe working with them with the changes over there, the way you
3: work with Impact, New Japan, AAA, and others now?
2: I was pretty optimistic when they first made the change, but I'm less optimistic now, given how they've treated me.
1: Thank you. Justin, we appreciate that. Um, Okay, as promised now, this time I've got the the write-in from uh, Joey Williamson from Hollywood's World of Sports. And Joey will be, uh, th- this, this, uh, writing question will be followed by John Orchiola from ScreenRant. So John, be ready. Joey asks, Tony, he's kind of curious. He knows that you have said in previous interviews that you would not do any unification bouts between AW and ring of honor champions and Claudio. Uh, but if Claudio wins the, uh, the casino ladder match on Sunday, would you reconsider having both championships on the line?
2: Well, uh, well, uh, It's a great question. If Claudio wins, he's under no obligation to put his championship on the line. And if Utah wins, it would not be necessarily a pure rules match. So in that case, I would not probably sanction a unification match unless it was under pure rules. Um, So it's something to think about with these champions being involved in the match. But certainly one of uh, the the intriguing points would be if Claudio does win, uh, he would be in line for a title shot. You know, we have great champions in Ring of Honor. Uh, who also are in line to fight for titles in AEW, and vice versa. A lot of the top stars in AEW are able to go over and and fight for titles in Ring of Honor. I do think it would be challenging for uh, an AEW champion and a Ring of Honor champion to to meet the obligations on a week in week out basis of both the titles, because there's a, you know they'd be expected to defend those belts a lot against a lot of different wrestlers from both companies potentially, especially hopefully when we get ring of honor going on a weekly basis which is still something i'm working regularly to get to make happen and uh i i think it would be very interesting if claudio does win the ladder match certainly the ring of honor world champion would be in a great position to challenge for the aew world championship
1: fantastic thank you for answering that question uh tony so john orchiola from screen rant is next john i hope i was pronouncing your last name appropriately Um, Forgive me if not. And then Samantha Shipman from Daily DDT will follow John. John, you're up. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hey, great to speak to you.
0: Hey, John. So um, I wanted to follow up. Oh, thank
1: you. I wanted to follow up um, the question about the women's division and Thunder Roses injury, which um, threw a wrench in the plans at All Out. Um, So as you said, four of the best wrestlers in AEW are wrestling for the interim title on Sunday. Are you looking at All Out as an opportunity to shake up and refresh the women's title and the women's division as a whole?
2: Honestly, yes, I am. I think uh, it will be great to have four of the best wrestlers in that match. And I think it's a very fresh matchup. And I do think it's going to be Uh, a really exciting match on the card and I'm trying to look at it as a positive. And, uh, whenever you have a a great wrestler injured, it's a very negative situation, but you have to make the best of bad situations just as, uh, it was very difficult to lose a lot of the top wrestlers, top stars, and even a great world champion, like CM Punk, no matter who it is, uh, you have to try to uh, move on and make the best of a situation. So I am, uh, looking forward to hopefully having a great four way match and, and then you know, whenever Thunder Rosa, the champion does return, it sets up a great unification match with the champion versus the interim champion to crown an undisputed women's world champion. So I do think it'll be an exciting match. And, um, even though it's, it's terrible to lose Thunder Rosa, who's a great wrestler, it is great to have these three awesome contenders coming into the match. We already had the number one contender, Tony Storm, and I have so much respect for Jamie Hayter uh, who had a great match with Thunder Rosa at Battle of the Belts, and I think deserves another chance at the title, and the number one contender, Tony Storm, and, of course, uh, you know, was in line for the shot, but also former champion, Sakaro Sheeta and, uh, of course, Dr. Brent Baker, should be great match.
1: Thank you, Tony. Thank you, John. Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT is next, and I'm going to follow Samantha with a write-in from Conrad Cushman, from everything pro wrestling. Samantha.
3: Hi Tony, thank you for the time today. Um, Sticking with the conversation around Thunder Rosa and the match that was put together for Sunday, there's been a lot of criticism for the fact that Thunder Rosa was given time to talk about her injury in a video that fits on Twitter while CM Punk got eight minutes to talk about his injury. CM Punk or the AEW interim world title was given a full tournament, including Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto, and then the women kind of had a match that it feels more or less thrown together. And so, what do you say to the criticism of of that, and why wasn't Thunder Rosa given more time um, and it, to make it feel like her championship is just as important as important as the uh, world championship?
2: Well, I strongly disagree with that. And I I very strongly disagree with that. You know, I give the TV time based on uh, what I believe is going to draw the most ratings. And if you want my honest opinion on an eight minute Thunder Rosa promo versus an eight minute CM Punk promo, then you're going to get an honest answer. And I think the eight minute CM Punk promo is probably going to do a better rating. Now, as far as uh, match length, I think Thunder Rosa's had some great matches as champion. And uh, to come out and do a live eight-minute promo, I'm not sure that would have been good for the television show, to be honest with you. And especially given where we were at, that Thunder Rosa, I found out she was injured a few hours before a live television show. I don't really have time to put an eight-minute promo in uh, when I had just a couple hours notice versus CM Punk. I knew days earlier that he was pretty badly hurt. And, And we had already made a plan two days earlier for that. Furthermore, a lot of people, uh, criticized the way John got to his match with Tanahashi. So I guess you can't please everybody, no matter what you do. And I've actually seen more people excited about the four-way match, uh, with Sheeta versus Britt Baker versus Jamie Hader versus Tony storm than they were for the original match. And I think it, the four-way is one of the more anticipated matches on the card. And I've seen people way more excited about that, honestly, than I, than in some cases, the way we got through the casino uh, Battle Royal match, I think Kyle O'Reilly is one of the best wrestlers in the world. But, uh, you know, some people complained when, when I had Kyle get that opportunity. To be honest, John versus Kyle was one of my personal favorite TV matches. I have watched that match so many times. I loved all the details of it. I will literally now tell you about them. Uh, like, I will tell you, you know, I can offline. I went online and talked about stuff in that match that was tremendous. So I thought it was great, but... Uh, you know, whether it was uh, the grip out of the uh pile driver, you know, that John used the gotch pile driver and then Kyle managed to reverse it into a, a triangle choke that he passed into a leg submission. So, when John went back to work on Kyle after he escaped the submission, he didn't use a gotch pile driver, he used a conventional one so he wouldn't get caught in another triangle. The little details of storytelling, like I thought it was a great match, but a lot of people didn't think it was the right way to get to the interim. But I think it was tremendous, and now. We've gone through a great summer with a great interim champion. So there were people criticizing that too. I've seen probably less people, although there may be some criticizing how we got to this, but you know, you can't uh you know, you can't necessarily please everybody, but I do think in this case it's really been uh very positive, given the situation we were in where you find out the champion is out a couple weeks before the pay per view and you have to uh scramble. So I actually had less time uh in the case of Uh, this to get the situation resolved than I did with John where there were a few weeks before Forbidden Door uh, to build it up. And uh, there was, so like I said, there was more time before the TV show to prepare the promo. I think if you want my honest opinion and look, that's just a fact. Okay. Uh, As far as what's going to draw a rating with somebody talking for eight minutes and, and then uh, the build of the matches, like I'm super excited for Dr. Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida versus Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. And I think a lot of people are probably more excited for that than they were for how we got to the first interim title. So, um, but, you know, you're definitely entitled to your opinion. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Samantha. Here's the write-in from uh, Conrad Cushman, and, and we're going to follow Conrad with Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. But here's first a question, Tony, from Conrad at, at, every, at Everything Pro Wrestling what went into bringing back the show name Zero Hour for the all-out pre-show versus using the name of the buy-in?
2: Well, uh, it's a great question. The original pay-per-view uh, that the Young Bucks and Cody and a lot of great independent wrestlers put together at All In before I was involved when they worked at Ring of Honor was uh, led up to the pay-per-view with a uh, the Zero Hour. And I thought the Zero Hour was really cool. And I actually brought it back when I took over Ring of Honor because it was associated with Ring of Honor and All In. And uh, it's a cool piece of IP we acquired, I thought. And in coming back to this building, I just think knowing the history of All Out, the history of All In, and it just felt really cool. And especially this, we've had great matches on the buy-in in the past, but this feels stronger. Like. With where the roster's at and the kind of matches we can do in this hour, I wanted to present something new, something fresh. And being back in this building, I wanted to get the energy of the Zero Hour back. I think the buy-in is great for Double or Nothing, and I I think I might keep the buy-in at the pre-show for Double or Nothing. But in this case, I don't even see Zero Hour as a pre-show. It's his own event. And it's the first AEW event ever streamed on Instagram, which I think is really cool. And as always, it's available on AEW Twitter, Facebook. And uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube, and uh, and then uh, we have um, also you know just a, an awesome lineup of matches. I think with Pac defending the All Atlantic Championship against Kip Sabian, Hook versus Kool and Ange. Uh, I might announce one more thing tomorrow night on Rampage, and and I'm really excited about what we've announced with Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii, Part Two which is a rematch of a great match they had in new Japan earlier this year at capital collision uh, with Ishii picking up a big win over Eddie and Eddie looking for some revenge. So uh, I am fired up for this pay-per-view and uh, also fired up for the zero hour. And I just think it's a great way to kick the show off and get people excited and and hopefully uh, give people around the world, a great free wrestling show in addition to all the, the paid streaming wrestling that's on this weekend i think it, you know anybody in the world should be able if they have an internet connection to watch zero hour and get one hour of great free pro wrestling you know even if you don't have the money to afford buying a pay-per-view and i know there's going to be a lot of fans i expect you know six figures worth of uh of homes buying this pay-per-view and uh you know millions of dollars of pay-per-view revenue but uh, you want to think of every fan, and that's why I think it's really cool to be off, able to offer at least a great hour of standalone pro wrestling to everybody, and and then also for those people watching, try to get them if they can afford it, and if they're able to to do it to buy the pay per view on Sunday night, which I think we built a great tradition over Labor Day weekend, and if you think back, you know it, this is the fourth All Out, and before All Out there was All In, and it started with a zero hour here. Hoffman Estates in the same arena, so I just thought it was a very cool way to build up that hour of matches.
1: Thank you, Conrad. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful is next, and we're going to follow Sean with Nick Hausman. We have 10 minutes. Sean, you're up. Hey, Tony, uh, it was clear that Eddie Kingston and Sammy were, were set for this show and obviously some things happened and they were both very transparent about what happened, but it seems like those issues are rectified. Do you think there's an opportunity for us to see sort of a resolution to that feud that, that had started a while back?
2: I am not sure. I think it would be a great match. And at one point, you know, the challenge was out there, but, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, it's uh, something to see. Obviously, uh, the two guys have not gotten along, and sometimes that lends itself very well to a pro wrestling match to see people settle their differences in the ring. I think that's what we all like to see. So I would certainly be up for it if it's something where they both wanted to sign the contract and get in the ring with each other. Um, but, you know, it takes, in this case, three to tango. And I'm I'm there, but, but I'm only one of the
1: three. There's thanks, man. Thank you, Tony. Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. is next, and Nick will be followed by Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Nick, hello, Tony. Thanks so much for taking the
2: time today. Hey, thank you. Thanks for take. Thank you for talk taking the time. to Talk to me.
1: Uh, my pleasure. Um, so uh, my question is, there was this reported uh, mandatory talent meeting backstage recently. I just want to know, from your perspective, uh, how you thought the meeting went, and if you could give us any insight into why you held the meeting, what was trying to be accomplished uh, with that particular meeting? It's a great
2: question. Uh, there was a meeting and we went over a lot of different things. Uh, you know, there were dozens of points that came up. I think it was just a lot of housekeeping, honestly, and we hadn't sat down together. And we used to do this on a pretty regular basis in Daly's Place. And it's not something we had done in a while. And, uh, you know, it, a variety of things had come up and, and it's stuff that I think was good to stay behind closed doors. Some of it did stay behind closed doors, amazingly, but a lot of it came out and some of the things I saw reported from the meeting were pretty accurate. Some of the things were wildly inaccurate. <laughs> so uh, it, it it definitely, uh, it it across the spectrum of reports, I saw some stuff that I was like, wow, that's like being a fly on the wall. Then I saw other stuff and I said, okay, that never happened. <laughs> so, but it's probably, that's, pretty much a day in wrestling journalism, to be honest with you. Um, not just that particular meeting. Uh I thought it was good for us all to get together and talk about a number of things. Uh there was one issue uh that had come up that you, people have seen uh stuff written about and uh I don't really want to get into it. If somebody asked me I guess I would get into it a little bit more. But uh there were some issues uh that talent had come to us about and said i think you should probably know about this and based on the talent coming to us and telling us that and and giving us their feedback and telling us stuff that had happened with them to them uh both in the company and things happening outside the company from other companies even and what the based on what the talent was saying to us we thought it was good to have a meeting with everybody and i thought the meeting went really well certainly this week was really positive week of television and i think really good energy going into the pay-per-view and uh everybody felt really strong about last night's show and it was a good time at the arena um and so i i think it was a really positive meeting
1: thank you nick thank you tony uh we are going we're going to go with bill pritchard from wrestlezone and we're and i'm going to um end the show uh with a write-in uh from uh, izzy Slavani. um so i'm going to end with a write-in, unusual, but uh, we're running out of time here, but Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone, you're next.
0: Hey, Tony, can you hear me? Yep. All right, cool. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, in looking at the all-out card, uh, I know you said that, you know, there's a lot of matches already confirmed. You might announce some more stuff, but I was curious how uh, how much of a decision or how important was
3: it to ensure maybe uh, Ring of Honor was represented on the show? I know Claudio and
0: Yuta are in the casino match, but uh, as of right now, they're, you know, unless you could speak otherwise, there's no uh, confirmed Ring of Honor events coming up. So was that a, a decision or was that on your mind when
2: building out this card that you still want to make sure that Ring of Honor has a pay-per-view presence? Well, that is a big part of it, but to be honest, I want to do the best AEW show I can do this weekend for the for the AEW fans, and that involves bringing the best wrestlers in the world. And in my opinion, in this case, a lot of the best wrestlers in the world are champions in Ring of Honor. And uh Mercedes Martinez, the women's world champion of Ring of Honor, is actually out with an injury, but we'll be back soon. But a lot of the other Ring of Honor world, world champions uh are represented on this card, and I, in particular. Um, FTR, I think, are a credit to any wrestling event they're on, including this pay-per-view. I think that's going to be a great match with six great stars, six very different great wrestlers, and one awesome trios match with some great champions on that team, with TNT champ Wardlow and and FTR, who are the Ring of Honor World Tag Champs, and of course, you mentioned Claudio, and we have Wheeler Yuta in that great Casino Ladder match. And I think if you're going to put a great field of wrestlers together and fighting for the top prize in AEW you're going to want to bring in the best wrestlers and in this case I do think Claudio and Yuta are two of the best and they are also champions in Ring of Honor in addition to being great members of the Blackpool Combat Club here in AEW. Thanks man.
1: Thanks Bill. Thank you Tony and as promised we're going to finish here with a write-in from Izzy from the hot tag with Izzy. Uh, She wrote in Tony recently on Busted Open you said that you left a lot of storylines open going into All Out. However, last night we saw some storylines sort of bridge the gap between now and Sunday, like John Moxley versus CM Punk. So would you say that there is a storyline that's still open going into Sunday, the fans really had a, should be keeping an eye on, maybe uh, tomorrow night?
2: Can you, Jim, can you, sorry, what, what's, can you give me that one more time, Jim? That so, Dan, yeah. so I just make sure I understand it.
1: Well, recently on Busted Open, you said that you left a lot of storylines open going into all out but then last night some of those storylines sort of bridged the gap you know we started yep. started coming together but are there still some storylines that maybe we need to kind of keep an eye on that will sort of crystallize between now and Sunday night
2: I think the pay-per-view card has come together really well I was I was referring to that we would get a world championship match signed and delivered for Sunday night on Wednesday, of course, now we know that it will be the undisputed world champion John Moxley versus the former champion and the number one contender CM Punk in this great rematch at All Out. And in addition to that, we also sealed up this big trios match with the House of Black versus this dream trio nobody knew they wanted. But the fans last night certainly reacted huge when they saw Sting, Darby, and Miro together and uh that was awesome so I think the House of Black versus Sting and Darby and Miro did another great match we added to the card so the pay-per-view card is looking pretty strong uh I potentially am open to adding stuff to either the pay-per-view or the zero hour and I think if you watch Rampage tomorrow night you may see a little bit more but definitely your point Jim and the point of the right-in question I guess the right-in questions point um that it certainly we so we certainly did bridge some of those gaps I thought and, and tightened it up last night on Dynamite and we'll get one step closer uh to all out. The final stop on the road to All Out is of course tomorrow night. We have Rampage followed by the countdown to all out on TNT. It's another reason to watch tomorrow night. We'll have some great wrestling on the show, including the Rampage uh trios tournament finals. But uh the countdown shows I think feature some of the best promos and interviews in pro wrestling and they're on TNT and to the people who uh, say you got to put all these promos on TV, you know, you can't just put the good promos on the internet. Like why are not they putting these on TV? Cause I you do see a lot of that. Well, the show's on TV it's on TNT and I would love for you to watch it, please. It's on after rampage and we would love, uh, love your viewership and love for you to check it out. Uh, and it, it will be a great preview for all out, which I expect will be a great pay-per-view and it's a really great tradition. We built, over Labor Day weekend now and it's in large part due to all of you and a lot of you on the call were people who went to the original all-in, who uh, came to our original scrums, who were at the original Double or Nothing and have, uh, I don't want to say supported the company because it's not necessarily your job, but in covering the company and in covering pro wrestling and you do support pro wrestling, which we are a part of. And whether you agree with everything we do or not, um, by by spending your time covering pro wrestling and getting this info out there and uh, the the time and attention you show to the sport and, and the wrestlers and the people who work in the business, um, you know, you make all this possible. So thank you very much to everybody on the call. And I'm sorry if I didn't get to your question. Uh, I will really try to get to everybody who comes to the scrum, try to make sure they get to answer a question, either of me or one of the wrestlers while you're there. If you traveled all out. And if you didn't get to answer a question, and if you didn't, um, you don't, you know, you're not gonna be at all out to ask a question. Uh, well, I really hope I get to answer one of your questions soon, and I'm sorry if I didn't get to it today. But thank you, everyone, I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Tony. And, and, and just to echo, uh, we, on our side here, we wanna thank everyone for being a part of today's call. And as always, for your interest in coverage of wrestling, the industry, and AEW in particular, we really value what each of you bring to the industry. Uh, it's, it's not overlooked so with that we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up we hope you all have a great day look forward to seeing you uh sunday night hopefully uh at uh at all out and then don't forget rampage tomorrow night so again on behalf of everybody at all elite wrestling we appreciate it thank you thank you everyone